It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I love you play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have Gentlemen of Steeler Nation, welcome back to another edition of the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast. The standard is the standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and back in the saddle after a week off is my co-host Lance Williams out on the West Coast. What's up, Lance? What's up, Jeff? What's up, Steeler Nation? Want to send a big shout out to you guys. Hopefully, all the listeners tuned again in Steeler Nation as a whole. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic. Christmas. Hopefully you brought it in safely. Hopefully 
you had a fantastic holidays. If you do not observe Christmas, you've had a fantastic Hanukkah and or Kwanzaa. And hopefully all you guys are getting ready and geared up to have a fantastic and safe New Year's. Also, before I delve deeper to the program, I want to send a big shout-out to my grandmother who passed away last week, Gloria Knowles, diehard Steeler fan, the matriarch of the family, and that's where I get my love from the Steelers. So I want to dedicate this program to her and her memory. Absolutely, and our condolences go out to you and yours during this time. It's always tough around the holidays, but uh, man, is a trooper. He's going to power through it. Um, before we get into anything actual football-related, Lance, I have to ask you, we've been talking about it for so long, you, you basically gave yourself the nickname Color Rush. Um, what did you think of the uniforms that you saw them on Sunday? Let's just say this. As I make this comment, I'm holding an Antonio Brown Color Rush jersey in my hands. <laughs> so that tells you that I love the Color Rush. My only issue is I thought the stripe on the side of the leg was a tad bit fat, just a little fat, little chunky, like the stripe on the side of the pants had one extra piece of pie or cake or fruitcake, like Santa Claus ate an extra cookie or something. Other than that, if the stripe had been a touch thinner, I'm it all in. So in terms of one to ten, the color rush uniforms get a nine point two five because on the landing they were a little bit shaky on the triple south cow. Nine point two five. You're giving them an okay, I'll, I'll give them a I'll give them a solid nine. I liked them. I just thought that uh yeah, the, the pants weren't as good as I thought. I wish all the players wore those gold cleats. The guys like Eli Rogers, um, he had the gold cleats with the black socks, black pants. I thought that looked really good. Um, and then Ryan Chazier in the first quarter even came out with that um, metallic shield over top of his uh, face mask. That looks even better. But, um, of course, the officials make him take it off because it's not a, a, a league-advised thing with concussion protocol and things of that nature. But – I think we both agree the jerseys were off. Now, Lance, when you watched the game, we were talking during the game, uh, obviously off the air. Uh, what was your knee-jerk reaction after the win? Uh, and this is going to tie us into our next segment, talking about exactly the Steelers, what they're doing during the six-game winning streak. But uh, what was your first uh, takeaway from the, from the game on Sunday? As I watched the game offensively, I was a bit puzzled as to why they were being so patient against two high safeties. I mean, I know that the traditional thought is if you're getting a two high safety look, you're going to have seven in the box and you're going to want to run against it consistently. I was a little concerned that they were just a little bit too patient. And I was concerned that they weren't generating enough pass rush. The other concern I had was this is the second week in a row that they've gotten off to a very a somewhat inconsistent slow start. The first drive was great, but after that, you know, they it seemed like it took them some time to warm to the task. And, you know, my concern moving forward is that as they go to the dance, because they punch their ticket as the guaranteed three seed and winner of the AFC North, that they're going to have to get cooking 
and get started a lot quicker in these ball games because you can't afford to start slow against some of the teams that they potentially will face in the playoffs. But overall, I think it really shows the character of the football team, their resiliency, and the fact that they really believe in the mantra of the head coach that the standard is the standard and that they cannot have a blink mentality, that they cannot blink and that they are built for the moment. And they've shown that they've been capable of gritting out some wins, and that's a quality that you want in the playoffs. However, you would like to start a little bit quicker. Well, here's my question for you, and the Steelers could not have asked for a faster start offensively. You know, they they force a punt even after Boswell kicks the ball out of bounds the first of two times that that happens. And defensively, they force a punt. The offense drives right down the field, scores a touchdown. It was a thing of beauty. My question for you is, what do you think it is about this team, and it's I think more so offensively than defensively, causes them to adjust so late? Uh, offensively, it just seemed like, you know, you, you talked about commitment. I find it like you're banging your head against the wall when you're just refusing to change the, the game plan that you had coming into it. I just don't understand what it took to the fourth quarter, Ben Roethlisberger throwing two really bad interceptions until they said, you know what, let's open it up on these guys, let's hurry it up. And it was only because they were down by 10. Um, defensively, I think it just came down that they were tackling better. But what do you think is the reason, if you can think of anything, of why they wait so long to make those adjustments which seem to be successful when they do? I think because it's fool's gold. I mean, I think the Ravens played a little bit of a Jedi mind trick against the Steelers, similar to how Bill Belichick used to do to Peyton Manning. Ben is disciplined enough and veteran enough that if he counts the box and he sees seven in there, that he's going to run. But sometimes that's fool's goal, and that's based on the team because they actually want you to run it because they don't want you to get after their secondary and open it up and spread them out. So I think they were a little bit too patient with it because they were having some success still running the football. And I thought with the Ravens scoring, it just forced them out of it. Had the Ravens not scored as quickly and the game would have stayed closer, they would have stayed with it, in my opinion. They wouldn't have spread out the Ravens, and they wouldn't have attacked them in the passing game. I think they would have continued to settle for running with Le'Veon Bell and taking their opportunities as they could against the two high-safety looks. But I think also having no Ladarius Green and not being able to work the middle of the field with the two tight ends may have hampered them in terms of how they want to attack that defensive look. Thus, they stay pretty patient with the game plan. And this, I think this is a good segue into kind of what you posed the question to me uh, before we went on the air, and it was during this six-game winning streak, do I feel, you asked me, do I feel like the, the Steelers are playing well or are they just finding ways to win? And then there's a thin line between that, and I kind of gave a, half-hearted mixed bag a good answer in terms of that. But I'm going to ask the same question to you, Lance. What do you, if you're going to answer that question, the six-game winning streak, do you feel like they're playing really good football at the right time, or do you feel like they're just finding ways to win, which you can't really complain with, but you want to be playing your best at the end of the season? I think they're finding ways to win. I don't think right now, although they're on a six-game winning streak, and you want to go into the playoffs hot, I don't think they're playing well enough for an extended run. Just because they aren't playing consistently 
throughout four quarters. They're playing either three solid quarters, two quarters. They still aren't putting together a solid four quarters of football. You know, the only couple of units I could say that are playing four quarters of solid football, of course, Le'Veon Bell, the offensive line, but as a team, they're still meat on the bone in terms of going out to get a consistent performance. And if they're going to be the New England, if they're going to be the Kansas City, they're going to have to play better. Because if they play like they did against the Ravens, although they won, they're going to run out of time. So they have to get to it faster and be more consistent. And it's going to be – it's all going to hinge on how Ben plays and how this offense plays because I think the defense will feed off the offense. If the offense is playing consistent football and rolling, they'll be in good shape. So although they're winning, I don't think they're playing great football. I think they're playing winning football, obviously, because they're winning games. They're not playing great football. There's still a lot of improvement that can be made with this football team because not too long ago, this was a team that lost four games in a row. And, of course, in the National Football League, there's a thin line between losing and winning, and they won these last two weeks with the thinnest margin possible. So I don't want Steeler fans to get into fool's gold and just jump off the Clemente Bridge or bet their houses on it because they're still leaving some stuff on the football field that they need to get cleaned up if they want to make an extended run in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think this group has been very resilient, though. I mean, you, you think about the, the win on Sunday against the Ravens. I mean, talk about a depleted, two depleted position groups, mainly the defensive line without Stephon Tuitt and the wide receiver core without Sammy Coates and a very – um, limited Darius Hayward Bay, the, the, the kind of fell right into the Baltimore Ravens' lap and you throw in Ladarius Green not in the lineup, you know, now all of a sudden the Steelers are a little bit easier to guard, especially in the passing game. Thankfully, Bell was able to go over for 100 yards rushing, um, average, I think, over six yards to carry. But I think that that ties into it as well. I mean, you look at the, the body of work that the Steelers' offense is putting on the on the field, and they still don't have that deep threat that they had, even when Sandy Coates was healthy. Healthy, um, I, I think that this is a team that's still going to be a really tough out in the playoffs. The defense, regardless of how many yards they're giving up, uh, sometimes the tackling isn't that great. They are playing good red zone defense. That's been their MO all year. And if you look at the injury report for Week 17, and we're going to talk about what you could and, for instance, uh, who you should sit, um, two really big names were limited participants, and I don't think they're going to play this week, but just the fact that they're kind of getting back into practice is huge, and that's Ladarius Green with a concussion and Sammy Coates with his hamstring. So that's good news for the Steelers. The fact that it's Wednesday and they're finding their way on the practice field, even if they're limited all week, that's good news. They're, they're getting their way back. Um, so I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I think they're leaving a lot out there as well. I think Ben Roethlisberger, his inconsistencies are – are becoming more and more evident with his interceptions. He had the three really bad ones against Buffalo, the two really bad ones clearly on Sunday. Uh, he's going to have to play better. But, again, if, if the offensive line continues to play the way that they are, I think they're going to be in every single game. It's just whether or not the defense can make a critical stop or, or two. So um, let's talk about game balls. If you're going to give game balls to 
Uh, anyone, let's, let's have you focus on the defense. Who are your defensive game balls going to, one, two, whatever, uh, after the game on Sunday? Before I give the game balls out, Jeff, let me pose the question, are they playing well or are they just winning? Let me pose it a different way because you use the term resiliency. What do you think is more important, resiliency or consistency? I mean, in, in the playoffs, it, it's not – I mean, you look for consistency. That's great. I think you look for consistency to get you into the playoffs. Once you're in, you just need to win. It doesn't matter how you win, whether it's the wild card game last year in Cincinnati where all hell breaks loose and you end up kicking a game with a field goal or if you stomp a mud hole in them from start to finish. I, I don't think it matters in the playoffs as long as you win. So, for me, I'll take a resilient group going into the playoffs and I, I think there's an argument that could be made on the other side, but that's what I'll say. Okay. I, I see your perspective because I think right now they've checked off the resiliency column. This is a resilient football team. There's probably no team more resilient in the National Football League being four and five, winning six in a row to win the AFC North and winning two tough divisional games back back in the last two weeks to do it. That's the true definition of a resilient football team. And I think they're right on that consistency edge where they just need to be a touch more consistent, be it with tackling or be it with uh, special teams, little detail stuff like not sticking out of bounds twice, you know, stuff like that where the the tackling is a little off. That consistency is there. And and I still think they're, they're almost there with that. Now, in terms of, a defensive game ball, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to target one individual. I thought they played okay as a group. You know, I don't know if there was one individual standout, but if, if I do, so I'll just give it to a group. I think the defensive line stands out because, you know, no to it, no Hayward. And I think that group of guys up there, Hargrave and others, play a really solid ball game, pretty solid against the run, didn't get a ton of pressure, but I, but I think they affected Flacco enough in, at certain points of the game. And, and being down, you know, the type of guys that they were down and, and going to the level of depth that they had to depend on to actually win that game, the LT Waltons of the world, I, I think they played a solid game. I don't think you could ask more of those guys than what they provided in that basketball game. So my game balls would go out to the Steelers' starting defensive line and the whole group of guys who also played. I, if, I'm, if I were to pick one person, and, I, and this maybe just from one play, I thought it was a game-saving play. Right after Ben Roethlisberger throws his second interception, the Ravens move down well inside, I want to say close to the 10-yard line, and they're faced with a third and goal. Flacco rolls to his right, throws the ball to the tight end, Waller. Looks like he has secured a touchdown, and Sean Davis comes in, dislodges the ball. It's an incomplete pass. They have to kick a field goal, and then all of a sudden Pittsburgh's only down 10 compared to down 14. That, to me, really changed the dynamic of that game in the fourth quarter. I agree. Um, It was a huge play, and I think a lot of people just kind of dismissed it at the time. But he was, and I know a lot of people are mad because he he broke up the pass, he kind of celebrated, and they're like, dude, you're down 10. You know, kind of understand what the situation is. That was a big play. And, you know, you look back, and the way that the game played out was a huge play. So, big, 
I'd give my game ball to uh, Sean Davis. Where would you go on offense if you had to give one on offense? It's Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I have to give it to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell continues to be the guy that drives this football team, and he continues to produce, and he continues to make big plays in big spots and in big games. And I absolutely agree with you about that that, that Sean Davis play. Um, you know, that was probably the play that saved their season. If you want to narrow down the season, you know, to this one particular game against the Ravens. If he doesn't make that play and they're down, uh, you know, more than 10, they're in trouble. You know, they're, they're in absolute yeah. trouble. Uh, so that was, I think, a, a season-saving play. Uh, but, yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the obvious choice would be A.D. A.D. made a well of a play, and the level of strength that he demonstrated to be able to extend into the end zone, as they're calling it, the immaculate extension, just shows the level of training and the level of core strength and just the strength that he has in that 5'10 frame. But I have to give it to Le'Veon Bell. The juice man continues to be just, you know, hey, I'm sipping the Kool-Aid like Jeff did uh, last year. I'm I'm (laughs) sipping the Le'Veon Bell Kool-Aid. Now, Le'Veon is a different animal. Um, you know, he, he's, a di- he's, he's just a different animal out there. He is, you know, at that rarefied air where he's the, part of the elite of the elite. And, uh, you know, his name rings out like a bell as one of the best players in the National Football League. So my game ball goes to the Jews, man, Le'Veon Bell. Just stop rapping, Le'Veon, please. <laughs> Keep toting the rock. Yeah, it's, it's not very good music if you ask me, but it, I figured you would give us Bell or Brown. So I actually thought of someone else that I would give a game ball to, and he didn't get, a, he didn't score a touchdown, but he made some really big plays, and that's Eli Rogers. And I think this is more of a game ball towards the future because if he can continue to play the way he has been, um, he did have a drop. I felt it was that real quick hitter pass, tipped off his hands, almost intercepted. Still, um, some really clutch catches. He had that 39 yarder set up a field goal kind of got the Steelers' offense going again. Uh, he had a couple really big catches. He made some really smart decisions, too, on that last drive, getting out of bounds. Same with uh, DeMarcus Ayers. We'll tip of the cap to him. He had one catch for nine yards, but he made it a point. He realized as a rookie, get out of bounds, stop the clock. That was about as well-executed minute 18 uh, drill that you could run with two timeouts. I mean, you really couldn't, really couldn't script it any better than that. But it was um, – that's why I'd go with Eli Rogers. But I, I have to give credit to, to I think, the entire coaching staff, whether it's Keith Butler, who was, you know, didn't have his best player, arguably, with, with Stephon Tuitt on the defensive line, uh, Todd Haley, who has been at all his wide receivers, and Ladarius Green, and, and Mike Tomlin is just keeping, you know, keeping his guys focused and, uh, you know, plugging away. Now, speaking of Mike Tomlin, I did say we, I, I did want to talk about this to the end, but might as well since we're talking about him now. I want to get your thoughts on the comments made by Terry Bradshaw and what your thoughts were on those as well as Tomlin's response yesterday at his his weekly press conference. Let me add something to your point with Eli Rogers. I took a look at the All-22 just to see what the Ravens were trying to do or what they were doing against the Steelers to really limit them. And and they're doing what a lot of teams are doing. And it's pretty interesting. You know, they're playing two high safeties, and they're trying to defend the Steelers with seven in the box. 
which is interesting given how well Lady Bell is rolling. And, and I think teams are doing that is because, you know, I, I think they can get away with it because they're just not going to fear, you know, any secondary wide receiver option. But I think what we'll see moving forward, if you have a healthy coach, is it will allow the Steelers to really be able to attack in between the numbers with Eli Rogers and Green and or Jesse James to attack the middle of the field as that void is opened up by the two deep safeties. So it's going to be critical that those guys come back. And like you said with Eli Rogers, the more contributions that you get from people outside of the killer bees, the more dangerous this offense is, and it just makes them even more difficult to to defend and, and more of a challenge. Now, as far as the comments of Terry Bradshaw, I, you, know, I, you know, calling a grown man a cheerleader, and this is no disrespect to cheerleaders, and I don't want this to sound this particular way, but I'm going to say it anyway. Calling a man a woman is always an insult, especially the way he said it in a disparaging way because he was disrespecting cheerleaders as if cheerleaders can't have any intellect. And he called a grown man a woman, and on top of that, he called her a cheerleader. Like, you're just out there cheering. And all the work that you put in doesn't mean anything because you're not contributing. So as we know as Steelers fans, if one thing we know about Mike Tomlin is Mike Tomlin is a wordsmith. Right, he's one of those guys that, you know, if you give him a mic, he's probably met a, never met a mic that he did not like. He strikes me <laughs> as one of those guys that he likes to talk just like I do. And he likes the sound of his voice just like I do. I mean, I like to talk as well. I love mics. Put a mic on me, a mic in front of me, whatever, I can go. And this time is one of those guys as well. And if you give him a little bit of time to prepare, he's going to mic drop on you. And he mic dropped on Terry Bradshaw. Quote, terms like cheerleader to me fall outside bounds of critique or criticism. They probably fall more toward the area of disrespect and unprofessional. But what do I know? I grew up a Dallas fan, dig. As Steeler fans, we already know that's a dig. That's a ding right there. Particularly a Thomas Hollywood Henderson fan. Ding, ding, knockout blow, drop the mic. And I know you guys know about the famous quote Hollywood Henderson said about Terry Bradshaw. If you spotted him the C and the A, he couldn't spell cat. Absolute mic drop. But he went even further because he went self-deprecating and said that the only great coaches are Belichick and Pop and that everybody else are just working stiffs. Ding, 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 knockout, first-round KO. Terry Bradshaw will never, ever say anything about Mike Collins after that mic drop and that knockout. <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. It was the perfect response I felt to the comments. And I think that, in my opinion, Jason Whitlock pisses me off more than Terry Bradshaw. But still, 
Um, the comment that he made, and I've done a couple radio spots on this, and I wrote an article about it, um, there's still that core group of uh, Steeler fans that don't like Mike Tomlin for a variety of reasons. But I think that uh, fans should just realize how good they have it. And it all comes down to, and we talked about this on the show, I think a couple weeks ago, is who would you rather have than Mike Tomlin? And you think, just think about it. The guy's won 102 games in the first 10 years. I want to say he's, you know, all those stats, Lance. He, he's been to the, what is it, he's won 10 games, I think, out of those 10 years, uh, seven out of the 10 years. It's just amazing what he's done as a coach, yet no one wants to give him credit, whether it's uh, Chug, he wins with Cowers team, or whether it's he doesn't draft that well or his clock management's poor. To me, they're just they're nitpicking. I think he's a good coach. He definitely motivates his players. And that's, I think, what you see um, when you hear – Heck, just go on Twitter. Follow uh, Vince Williams. He he was the first who said not not too bad for a cheerleader after the Steelers beat the uh, Ravens. These guys have his back. They like to play for Mike Tomlin. And to me, that tells me more than anything that Terry Bradshaw or any other expert, Jason Whit- Whitlock, whoever you're talking about, if those players love to play for him, they play hard for him, they, they answer to him, and they bring the, you know, don't blink mentality they all speak of, then that's all you need to know, in my opinion. But, uh, I, do you think this is over? You think is it, he, he, go ahead. Let me say something, Jeff. The, the interesting thing about uh, Bradshaw's comments, and, and I reached out to a couple of media guys that I know, and, you know, they echo to me that he's not in the building. And, you know, for me and you and for Whitlock and for a lot of guys, they just don't have access. So they're guessing like we're guessing. But the only objective measure we, we can critique him by is wins and losses. It's a wins and loss league. You know, people don't keep jobs for losing, whether you think they're great or not. I don't care if the schemes are the best in the world. If you don't win, you'll, you know, you're going to lose your job, period. But Terry Bradshaw, being a four-time Super Bowl winner for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has the ability to travel to the facility and watch practice and witness and substantiate whatever comments he's making about Mike Tomlin, yet he chooses to not go and make comments that he has no information about. I mean, he can go firsthand, even if he has spies in the building. And and from what I've heard, you know, he's never around. No one talks to the guy. He can go find out. He can go be informed and make an informed opinion, but yet he chooses not to, and he speaks as if he is, is an authority on the topic. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I had, the problem that I had with Terry Bradshaw's comments. And like you said, Steelers fans have it great. You've got a coach who has, I believe, 102 victories, never had a losing season while he's been the coach. I mean, I think to a certain respect, Steelers fans are spoiled. We're spoiled. I mean, we're really spoiled, particularly me at my age. I mean, I've had no Cowher and Tomlin. I'm super spoiled. I'm just used to looking at 10 wins every season at least. So I I think sometimes as Steeler fans, because of the level of success, we lose some perspective as to just how good Coach he is and just how how phenomenal that they're doing and that the level of consistency that they keep pushing out and just how incredible that is. You know, save for the New England Patriots, I mean, the Steelers are – about the most consistent bunch out there. So I think, you know, Steelers fans should appreciate the, the level of the product that's out there 
every single year, two divisions in the last three years. You know, they went deep in the playoffs last year. I mean, so just appreciate it. I mean, I mean that would be my advice to Steelers fans. Well, and, and not to mention what the team has done in the last six weeks. I mean, they started out the year four and one. Everyone was talking about this team as being the new powerhouse in the AFC, and then they dropped four in a row. And that's tough for any coach. And I, I understand the coaches are semi responsible for those defeats, but at the same time, not every coach can get their team to turn it around, start believing again, and win the next six games. I mean, that's incredible. His his month of December record is tremendous. And I wish I had it in front of me, but I don't. But I saw it the other day. He has an unbelievable December record in his 10 years with the Steelers. And that shows you that he's getting his guys to play at the right time. And that's obviously when the playoffs are rolling around. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. Some of it's kind of felt like it's been beaten like a dead horse. But still, I wanted to get your opinion on it. And speaking of Tomlin and his press conference and some information that was given out during that press conference, the fact that he... Tomlin plans on resting several key players against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Now, you might be listening to the show, whether it's live or on podcast form, saying, when are they going to talk about the Browns? Well, I don't want to talk about the Browns because the Browns game is meaningless. The Browns themselves are pretty meaningless. So we're going to talk about maybe some players that should or could be rested. I think it's safe to say Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell, and probably Pouncey won't be playing much, if at all, in this game. Who are the other players, if you were Tomlin, would you say, you know what, you're not playing, but make sure you have a contingency to who would you play in their stead. So, in other words, you can't say, well, I'm going to sit the whole offensive line because you don't have a whole offensive line on the bench to fill in. So, Lance, if you're looking at, um, let's go with offensively, who would you be, other than Pouncey, Ben, Bell, and Brown, who would you be resting? Uh, Green, Ladarius Green, I would not have Ladarius Green come back. Uh, I would probably be very careful with David DeCastro. I would probably play some D.J. Finney, but maybe D.J. Finney may have to play that center position. So I'd be careful with uh, B.J. Finney, or excuse me, with with David DeCastro. Um, Also, I mean, other than that, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I think Eli Rogers and the young guys need to get reps. If Coach is ready to play, I play Coach a lot to try to get him back up to game speed. But I think outside of the Killer Bees and Pouncey and probably DeCastro, if somehow I can get DeCastro out of there, uh, that'd probably be it. I'd also have an eye out for Gilbert as well if I could play a backup tackle. Because right now that pass protection is just outstanding. But but Jeff, I wanted to speak to the the record, and I'm looking at an old article from the website from 2015, and his record at the time uh, in December when this article was written, and this article was written last year, December 17, 2015, and he was 27 and 12 after December 1st, and they played what four games this month, four or five games, so. Yeah. You know, add, yeah. add a couple of those games to it. So it's probably like 32 and 12, 31 and 12. Uh, you know, somewhere, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. So, you know, 31 and 12, I mean, hell. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars, boy. <laughs> Just think about that. If you're the Browns <laughs> or the Jags or any one of those bad games, they might have not have won 30 games in the last seven years, 
let alone one month. Uh, so that's just a little perspective as to how well Mike Tomlin has done as a coach and just how good he is as a coach. But, yeah, those are the guys. I, I, I add Gilbert and, and, and uh, DeCastro are some guys I'd be watching with a close eye, you know, in this ball game as well. Yeah, I, I think that if you're smart, you look at the inactive list and what they've had. If you make the killer bees inactive for the game, then you activate Brian Mihalik, who's an offensive tackle, and you let him go in and spell someone like Gilbert. Uh, Chris Hubbard is someone else that you could possibly have him at guard if you need to, or you could have him at tackle as well. Uh, they need to just try to get as many guys um, as possible spelled on the um, offensive line. But uh, the offensive line has talked about they want to play, and they want to play you know, to keep their rhythm. And I think that if D'Angelo Williams plays, which I would give him a lot of carries, I would only have him getting carries behind the first offensive line. So if Pouncey plays in the first quarter maybe, then I would have D'Angelo Williams as the primary running back in the first quarter. And then if D-Will comes out, I'd have the offensive line start to get broken up and get some guys some breaks. Um, other than that, um, I wouldn't put Sandy Coates out there with a hamstring. I want him healthy for the playoffs, even if it's just to run go routes and to soften up the defense. The last thing you want is him to come back too early and he re-injures right, the hamstring yeah. and yeah, he's done. Right, yeah. He's done. So I would go with Kobe Hamilton, Eli Rogers, and DeMarcus Ayers as my primary wide receivers, along with the tight ends of Jesse James and David Johnson and, and uh, the ex Xavier Grimble. Um, but defensively, this is where it gets tricky for me because they actually have some depth on defense. Who would you be taking off the field on defense uh, regardless of position? I'd probably take Shazier and Timmons out. Um, you know, Shazier is their one really good playmaker. So I would probably take him out for sure. I'd take the two inside backers out. I, I'd put Vince Williams or anybody else in there. Um, I would not play James Harrison that much. Um, I, I'd probably just try to start a different four at the linebacker position. I don't think they have the depth at corner not to play those guys. I'd probably just start a different four linebackers. We'd get Mokes. Jarvis Jones would be activated. He'd get some snaps. Vince Williams. Um, who would be the other inside linebacker, Jeff, if they if they started four? New line. Well, if you had, if you you have you have Vince Williams, you have L.J. Fort, and you also have Tyler Matikavich who could play inside linebacker as well. There you go. So those would be my guys. I'd probably not play the starting four linebackers. They wouldn't see any rest. Yeah, I, I wouldn't play Mike Mitchell much because you could throw Robert Golden has an ankle. Uh, they're not sure about his status this weekend, but I wouldn't play Mike Mitchell much. I you could even throw Jordan Dangerfield back there. Um, because I want to make sure that he's healthy. He's been playing really good football, and I want to make sure he's 100% heading into the postseason. Um, but I think it's going to be smart for Tomlin to do some, make some of these moves, treat it more like a, a of a preseason game. But one thing we didn't talk about is, I've, I, and I've said this to a lot of people, both on social media and in person, I'd rather see Zach Mettenberger, a quarterback, than Landry Jones. I know that Tomlin's probably going to go with Landry Jones because he wants to win the football game. But uh, I want to see what Menberger can do because Landry Jones is a free agent after this year. We've seen plenty of him, and we know what he's capable of, but we don't really know what Menberger is capable of. Do you agree with me that uh, you would like to see a little bit of uh, Menberger, or you just say just 
go with Landry. Now I'm going to disagree with you there. I like what you're talking about in terms of Jordan Dangerfield and some of those moves as well in the secondary, uh, you know, too, because you can't, we can't afford, or the Steelers can't afford for Burns or Cockrell getting hurt. So if you can make those substitutions, so when on a defensive side of football, by the time you got to the third quarter, maybe halfway in the third quarter, no defensive starters are out there. Uh, I think kind of what you're looking at. But in terms of a backup situation, in terms of quarterback, I think it would be better to get Landry Jones-Smith because they're not going to want to play Zach Mettenberger in a playoff game if Ben Roethlisberger gets dinged up. You're going to have to go with Landry Jones. There's no way Zach Mettenberger plays that, you know, would be that guy in that role. So with that being said, from my standpoint, I think, if you can get Landry Jones as many snaps as possible going into that game, you do that. I think even this week during practice, I think you keep the killer bees and the starters sharp by giving them limited snaps in practice. They continue to prepare as if they're starting. But, you know, Landry Jones gets, you know, maybe 50-50 reps, and he's doing a lot of the work to play. I think there's time to evaluate. I mean, they've had weeks to evaluate Zach Nettenberger. He's probably on scout team. They've had him in the building. So I would think at a certain point they know what they have there, but they need to get Landry Jones sharp in case Ben Roethlisberger gets dinged up in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I hope Zach Nettenberger sees some time. If it's, I know they're going to start Landry Jones, but I hope he gets to see at least a quarter of time that they can have this game in, in, in control um, at some point in the second half, maybe get Jones out of there and we'll see what they have in Mettenberger. I think that it's, it's a good for the business side of things to see if he, he's someone you can lean on as a backup uh, going into camp next year. But still, uh, last thing I want to talk about here is um, before we give our picks and predictions for this dreadful game coming up on Sunday, the ideal playoff scenarios for you, for the Steelers. Now, the Steelers are, are pretty much locked in with the Miami Dolphins on the AFC wildcard round, but that's not for sure. There's still, I, I think, a 9% probability that those teams could be moved around. A lot of stuff needs to happen. If you were to if you were to paint the perfect picture for the Steelers in the playoffs, but then also what do you think the most realistic playoff scenario is for the Steelers after the AFC wildcard game at Heinz Field? I think the most realistic scenario, excuse me, realistic scenario is the one that they actually want as well is playing Miami and then going out to Oakland and then getting Tom Brady in the AFC Championship. The worst-case scenario would be they have to play Kansas City first in the wild card. You do not want to have to beat Kansas City and beat New England to get to the Super Bowl. Because right now, Kansas City, with the way Kelsey is playing and the way they're using Tariq Hill, I mean, Kansas City is not the same team that they absolutely drug earlier in the season. Kelsey right now, you know, other than Gronkowski, is the best tight end in football. He is an incredible, dynamic player, and even with Gronk coming back next year, he may unseat Gronk as that guy who is the best tight end in football. So I think the best-case scenario and the most likely scenario are one and the same. Yeah, I mean, if if the Oakland Raiders can just beat the Broncos, then they would lock the two seed, which would make the path to the 
AFC Championship game, and I wrote this article for the website later earlier this week, filled, paved with backup quarterbacks, because it's not looking like Ryan Tannehill be, will be ready to go um, for the playoffs with his knee injury, and it's not looking like, well, it's not. It's not going to happen. Derek Carr's not coming back from a broken leg. So, yeah, um, we'll see how things pan out, but it's going to be interesting. Now, before you go ahead and get, get on your soapbox for the last segment of the show, uh, what's your prediction for this Sunday Steelers versus Browns, fan appreciation. Boy, what a way to appreciate your fans um, with a meaningless game at Heinz Field. What are you uh, What are you predicting for this game? What's your score? Uh, I'd say the Steelers win, you know, 31-16, uh, you know, something okay. like that. It's a, blow, it's a blowout. Even with backups playing, they're, they're going to blow Cleveland out. Uh, they're going to blow Cleveland yeah, out. Yeah, I think – because what I think you'll see is even in a meaningless game, it's meaningless to us. It's meaningless to you know, to fans, media guys, stuff like that. But guys understand that any time they get to get on a football team, the eye in the sky does not lie. And that tape lives with you. So I think you're still going to see a well of an effort by whatever backup or whoever is playing because they know they're trying to secure a roster spot for next year as well as trying to secure a job for next year if they're not, for some reason, on the Steelers roster. So I think the Steelers will come out with maximum effort and put a pounding on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a – I don't think they score as much point, as many points. I think it's going to be a lot of running. They're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I'm going to say Steelers 21, and um, we'll go with – the Browns at 13, 21-13 they win. And they win seven in a row going into the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see the health of the team. Hopefully everyone stays healthy this Sunday. But, uh, Lance, go ahead. Talk to Steeler Nation, as you always do, to finish out the show. You know, I really don't have a soapbox. You know, I just want to say to everybody that, you know, appreciate your loved ones. Uh, you know, hopefully 2016 was good for you. From a sports perspective, Steelers get a division title. I hope 2016 was good for you. From a personal perspective, just appreciate yours, your family. You know, give that person that you haven't talked to a call. Give that family member that you love and cherish a hug. Just don't take for granted the days that you have. And, and, And go out and have some fun on this new year. Bring it in safely. Call Lyft. Call Uber. You know, don't be that dumb guy out there getting a DUI and missing this Cleveland Browns game on Sunday. So go out there, have fun, be festive, be cheery, be merry, but most importantly, drink responsibly and be safe because we want you guys to listen to the show next week. That's right. Absolutely. And next week we prepare for the playoffs. Uh, we'll talk briefly, I'm sure, about the Browns game. Hopefully, a Browns vic- over, a Steelers victory over the Browns, and we'll get you all playoffs. ready for that first round of playoffs. Yeah, whoever it may be against, whether it's the Miami Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, we'll get you ready for it. And as always, yeah. see us hey, next Jeff. week. Check out behind the Steelers. What's up? Did you say playoffs? <laughs> I need to have that Jim Moore quote keyed up there for the show. Next time. We'll, we'll do that. I'll get that ready to go. So, But uh, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We have some really good film room articles coming up in the next few days. 
Uh, one is going to run tomorrow where we actually highlight the entire drive, the game-winning drive for the Steelers. Um, it's going to be fun to fun read, good to watch uh, the film from the All-22 for those that don't get that regularly. And uh, make sure you check out all of our podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain platform. Find us on iTunes and search The Standard is the Standard. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.